0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's you doing? Designing my new 2021 Nissan Kicks Online in the Kicks Color Studio. I give each a special name. This one's electric blue, orange, red, white. I call it the gumball machine. You think it's me? I feel like you're more of a red velvet guy. Limitless
1: Possibilities. With over 100 million available color combinations and Bose Personal Plus System in the boldly new 2021 Nissan Kicks. Bose is a registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating
0: Nissan dealer. See dealer for details. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabid Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau, and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in to a very special edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawaski of 670 The Score and the Locked On Blackhawks Podcast. Jay, it's only after a regular season win that we're talking today, but something far more significant for the long-term health of the team has happened the coming of Kirby Doc is Ugh. upon us. That's a weird that's way to put it. It, it sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very odd. I don't know. I think but a rival that's, might that's be a better ha- word. That's what's happening is he's coming uh, to the Blackhawks. He uh, got recalled from his uh, injury rehab assignment conditioning, whatever you want to call it, and he is on his way. Not sure when he's going to make his NHL debut, but it is exciting news indeed. Kirby Doc is heading to the Blackhawks.
2: Yes, uh, we're definitely going to start things off with that on the show. We also need to get into uh, Friday night's win over the Blue Jackets, win in air quotes because they did not deserve to win that game, and uh, also going to bring back my interview with Dave Bolin from earlier this week um, that I did for Lockdown Blackhawks. I'm going to We're going to replay it for you at the end of this one if you missed it. It's really good, good stuff from Dave Bolin. He talks about the 2010 team, the 2013 Stanley Cup, and his career with the Hawks, so it's, it's worth sticking around for. Um, but yeah, so with Doc, I guess the the question has finally arrived, where does he play, right? Where, where's Where's he going to plug in? And I think a lot of us before this season began or before this recent like three games in a row where the Hawks have actually looked decent, we all thought it would be where David Camp is, third line center. But now you can't really break up that line, can you? I, I don't think there's much point to doing that. So. There's a couple. Well, not
0: according to Adam Sandler, who emailed
2: us early in the week, and he brought some uh, really good uh, points up about that. Yes, he did. Make sure you check out Adam Sandler's hockey stats uh, on the last podcast. Really good stuff. So I I think there's two. There's two options. I think option one is you start him as a winger, and that would be on the top line with Taves and Debrinkett. That would be. uh, I know they were working that a little bit before he got sent down. When he was here and they were working in practice, he would sort of rotate in and out on that line. I would rather him start at center, but you're not going to move out Strome. You're not going to move out Camp at this point. Would you put him at the fourth line center with Nylander and Carpenter and scratch Zach Smith?
0: That's almost what you have to do, I think, based on the usages and based on the effectiveness of the uh, guys involved in that group that you were talking about. I I really do think that, it wouldn't make much sense at this point to break up that camp line. I mean, we've kind of talked through that and I thought that was probably going to end up being the best option out of several options. That would be maybe slightly painful, but based on the way that uh, Ryan Carpenter is being used extensively in shorthanded situations right now, I don't see him getting scratched the way camp has been able to play with his line mates. It's so tough to argue for him to be scratched the way he's been playing I think Zach Smith ultimately is probably going to be the odd man out just based on the usage of him. He was the lowest, a second lowest forward last night, excuse me in ice time. Uh, I I do think that he's probably going to end up being the odd man out at least initially. And we'll kind of see where everything shakes out. But the one thing we do know for sure is that Kirby doc is going to get at least a nine game audition. And I think Jeremy Colleton will, at some point kind of move him up and down the lineup just to see where he best fits in
2: oh and that's the best way to do it I just my thing is when Jonathan Taves another number three overall pick and maybe a more certain prospect than Kirby Doc is that's that's for sure let's not pretend like just because two guys were taken in the same spot they were the same kind of prospect Taves is a much higher prospect than Doc is but he was a center and he started his career at center and that's where they envision him I don't know if there's much of a benefit to easing a minute wing if it's a couple games Until maybe the camp line comes down to earth a little bit, and I think they came down to earth a little bit last night too, against Columbus. I I don't know. I I just want him playing center, and I wonder if you put him on that fourth line with the way that Nylander's been playing, and I thought he had another strong game last night. You saw a commitment from him on all ends of the ice. Um, Again, didn't get a lot of ice time at all, but when he was out there, he was noticeable, and he was one of the better players on the ice when he was out there. So. Um, I don't know if they're going to scratch him. It's going to be really interesting. This to me is like the it's been the biggest mystery all summer, and now we're mm-hmm. finally going to get our answer. Uh, hopefully on Sunday night.
0: Well, I mean, we also had thought all summer that somebody was going to end up playing crappily enough that you were just going to be able to easily axe them out of the lineup and just completely ignore their existence for a while. But the reality has been a little bit more challenging than that, and to ultimately to the benefit of the Blackhawks, it's been more challenging than that. They've had some good performances out of guys that are on the lower tier of their roster. Some of the guys in the upper tier, ahem, Jonathan Taves, have not been uh, living quite up to uh, par in the first five games of the season. But ultimately, as we've ta- we've discussed on this show, it is a good thing that they're having this problem, albeit a little bit surprising that it's been so hard to kind of figure out a way to get your number three overall traffic into the lineup. That seems like such an absurd thing to say for a, play- a team that hasn't made the playoffs in two straight years, but here we
2: are. You know what's funny? I'm looking at the uh, ice time numbers from last night, and Camp didn't play as much as I thought he did. He only played 1342. So Nylander was a team low 729. Right. Then it was Smith at 1859. Yep. Then Kubalik at 1228. Yep, and then camp at thirteen forty two.
0: Yeah, they. It was Jerry Colladen last night. Uh, Drake Cajula only played twelve minutes as well. Like they. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. It, yes, it seemed like unless your name was DeBrinkit, Strom, Kane, or Taves, it seemed like you were getting kind of limited ice time last night. It really seemed like he is trying to get like those main guys the bulk of the time, and then trying to stay as relatively even as possible. This is completely against what we would traditionally expect for a forward group we would expect that they you know you'd have probably like six guys who all had reasonably about the same uh, type of minutes then the third line would be in that you know 10 to 11 range and then the fourth line on down but it seems like Jeremy Colleton is working pretty hard to keep those ice times relatively balanced I think the one thing that kind of Throws it out of whack is how much time they spent short-handed last night. I think that that sure. inflated the ice time of your uh, Taveses and your Carpenters, but I think that Kaladin is trying to balance it out. So I'm not going to read too much into uh, Camp only playing 13:42 when in reality that's about middle of the road when it came to their uh, forward group last night.
2: Yeah, Carpenter, who you mentioned, played 4:17. Uh, shorthanded last night uh, David Camp 256 so yeah a lot of those numbers shorthanded were boosted Olimata 316 Connor Murphy 430 wow dude and, Kane
0: uh, and Debrinket had five minutes of power play time last night that's what kind of you know elevated their numbers significantly
2: yeah geez 510 from Debrink anyway well I can't wait to find out what's going to happen the Hawks practice uh, Saturday it's a limited practice. Um, somewhere around, I think it's 11 o'clock Central. So after that, Jeremy Counton should speak. But he's always been so coy about what he's going to do, who's going to play where. And it wouldn't even shock me if Doc doesn't play tomorrow. I think he should. If he's here, he should play. But who knows? They haven't really gotten a full practice in. So I don't know. I'm very anxious to see uh, where he's going to fit, and I just cannot wait to see him make his NHL debut. By the way, he played last night for Rockford, did not register a point. But uh, heading up and down game, I talked to Greg Boysen who uh, he was on rights for the hockey writers. He was at the game last night. I asked him how Doc looked. He said, at the risk of sounding like Hugh, he was fine. I think he's struggling a bit with the physical play in the pro game. Not that he shies away from it or can't handle it. He just has to do better at avoiding it. The Wolves are a big, mean team, and he seems to skate right into trouble at times. So that's right. Well, well the Wolves
0: out. are probably the I'd argue they're probably one of the best teams in the AHL. Just watching them last season, getting to the Calder Cup final and watching them in limited amount that I've seen them this season. That team has a lot of like quite a few guys who are legit NHL ready players. And it just so happens that you play for an organization like the Golden Knights and you kind of have a little bit of a backlog of uh, talent. So that's definitely uh, something to keep in mind there. It was a good test for him to see kind of where he was at both in his uh, maturity as a pro player and just in his health in general.
2: It's also important to remember that he's not going to get the attention he's getting uh, playing for the Blackhawks as he was playing for Rockford. You're not going to have the opponent keying on Kirby doc like they will on Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves or whatever. Um, Real quick. If you're excited about Kirby doc, you want to order yourself a Kirby doc Jersey triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs. Call Chris 708-478-6090 or send him an email chris at triple ThreatSports.com. not only do they make nhl jerseys mlb nfl whatever anything outfitting you need for your personal teams for your club teams triple threat to help you out so check them out triple ThreatSports.com. Uh, a little more on last night's game i have to know what is it about this year that makes the hawks struggle to get and maintain possession so much i know they're slow but there are times where they have the puck and can't keep it. This was mm. the issue last night: is they cannot, they never control the puck. And when you look at the shots on goal at the end of the night, I was almost shocked by them. The Hawks had thirty-three shots. The Jackets had thirty-nine. I, I can't recall thirty-three Black Hawk shots. <laughs> it just, it didn't seem like that. It never felt like they were putting that much pressure on the uh, on Columbus at all. I, the, I felt like Columbus had the puck the entire game, and when you look at the metrics, the Corsi percentage for Columbus was 55, uh, um, and for the Hawks it was uh, 45. So you you could see that it was not as far off as it maybe seemed, and that first period was really, really unbalanced, but I don't know, it just felt like the Hawks never really controlled the puck in the offensive zone at all. It was mm-hmm. just kind of one and done when they did get their chances.
0: Yeah, the, the eye test and the uh, metrics were a bit wonky last night. I will definitely uh, concede that. I think the the Corsi ended up, and it's weird. The Corsi ended up getting really unbalanced because of the first period, the Blue Jackets had sixty five percent Corsi 4 in the first period of the game. The second and third, it was a dead split, yeah, at 50 50-50. Yep, it was unreal. Like it, it did not. And I completely agree with you. It did not seem like that. It seemed like the ice was definitely tilted towards the Blackhawks net. And Robin Leonard definitely was getting tested a lot last night. He was great
2: last night. Yeah, I thought he was great.
0: Oh, and another weird thing. We thought for sure Corey Crawford was going to be playing last night. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Jeremy Coyleton. See what I did there? He's coy. He ended up playing Robin Leonard last night because he doesn't give a crap about what anybody like (laughs) us says. He's too handsome to care. And Leonard had a good game. So there you go. Shows what we know. Maybe we shouldn't be hosting this uh, podcast. I don't know.
2: Well, if Jeremy Collin wants to come on and host it with us, that'd be great. Dude,
0: I would happily (laughs) concede my seat to Jeremy Collin, but I don't think uh, he has time to slum it with
2: lowlifes like us. That's probably true. Um, But I want to spend some time on Leonard. I think he was – there were a lot of weird chances against him last night. Like there was one that got stuck in his blocker that he sort of realized and steered it out of trouble. There was a Foligno, uh disallowed goal in front. That There was that one that hit him in the arm. That was a goal. It was the the Nudivara goal that hit Leonard in the arm, and then he sort of lost it and it just fluttered over him. Yep. But the big like post-to-post saves and the prime scoring chances, he was outstanding on. I thought Leonard was awesome last night. And maybe he wants that poke-check goal back. I think that <laughs> yeah. was the uh, the Dubois goal, but maybe that's the one he wants back but he was sort of stuck in between I don't know I th- I thought he played awesome last night he was really good really confident and for the first time we I think we were seeing the red ass of Robin Leonard a little yes. bit
0: yes oh my god yes that's exactly what I was gonna say you could see him like, glaring we, at people <laughs> we saw him in full form last night I think just in terms of both his skill and I think that this is kind of held true for both Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard it seems like the more they've actually gotten to play like as they've come back from Europe and now they're kind of in the grind of a regular NHL schedule. I think we're seeing them kind of both settle in a little bit. We're seeing them make some really good athletic saves. But while Corey Crawford's always been the guy that's kind of been like the, you know, so cool under pressure. You kind of wonder sometimes if he's like bored or whatever. (laughs) Robin Leonard is like, as you so eloquently put that's a he's got some red ass to his game, man. He ooh, I do not want to be on the receiving end of one of those uh, angry stares. That's why I'm always when I've had the chance to be around Robin Leonard. You know, you always kind of want to make sure you ask him a good question because you don't want to get the wrath.
2: Man. Yeah, that's <laughs> Leonard. Leonard has a presence to him. Mm-hmm. He's First of all, he's enormous and he walks into a room and you're and he stands out. He's a big dude. I would venture to say he's a good-looking dude. He's he There's like an air about him. of Even if you don't know hockey, if you saw him come into a room, you would know he's somebody, if that makes yep. sense. He's got a presence about him. And you're right about that. Like The pressure to not ask him a dumb question is real. I've felt that at the convention when I was around. I'm like, I don't want to be the guy who says the dumb thing and gets the glare of Robin Leonard. And I will always have an affection for red-ass goalies because nobody was more red-ass than Eddie Belfort.
0: Well, the alcohol may have played a
2: part in (laughs) that. Well, it may may have a little bit, but it was a different time, and Eddie's doing good. He looks fine-ish when you see him. Eddie Beaufort, on the other hand, when he walks into a room, does not have a commanding presence anymore. No,
0: no, 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 no. You you feel like (laughs) one of your brothers just walked into the room. You're
2: like, hey, buddy, what's up? It's just like I saw him at the Hawks convention. He's wearing like a short sleeve plaid shirt. He's in good shape. He looks okay, but he just looks like your average like dude you'd see, uh, you know, curl up to a bar uh, Mm -hmm. on a uh, mid afternoon in the middle of the week. Isn't, <laughs>
0: isn't one of his uh, whiskeys going to be involved in uh, some type of uh, Barrel Club well, you, promotion? You know what,
2: James? You are a radio professional and a podcast <laughs> professional. Yes, I did the thing that you
0: usually do. <laughs> yes,
2: you did. Uh, the Barrel Club in Oklahoma is our newest sponsor. You can join their Spirit of the Month Club at BarrelClubIllinois.com. You're going to love this place. This is high-end, okay? Steaks, seafood, I'll even say the salads are great. They've got pierogies that my aunt advised on. She went in there and helped the chefs develop their pierogi recipe. Uh, They're great. 4910 West 111th Street. They're right by the Marianos there. They're right by the, uh, what's that other place called? Cooper's Hawk. But once you go to Barrel Club, you will have no use for Cooper's Hawk anymore. But James mentioned the uh, top barrel, top shelf, the Barrel Club, top shelf NHL flight. It's Guy uh Canadian Whiskey. It's Eddie Belfour's Texas Whiskey that's aged in pecan wood. And then it's the 99 brand Gretzky Ice Cask Whiskey. So go try the top shelf NHL flight at the Barrel Club in Oklahoma. And again, 4910 West one hundred eleven Street. Go there. Uh, it is managed by my Uncle John and my cousin John. And uh, they'll take care of you. It's a great place. Um, the food is outstanding. The burger is amazing. The steaks are fantastic. You'll love it. BarrelClubIllinois.com. Wait, so, your uncle
0: and your cousin aren't the same person, right?
2: Uh, one is the father, one is the son. Okay,
0: so this isn't a Martin Brodeur, Uncle Daddy situation. No. <laughs> as far as I know, no. Sorry, I just wanted to take a <laughs> gratuitous shot at Martin Brodeur. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll I'll try to delete it in uh, the post-production thing.
2: Every time I see uh, the, the Enterprise commercials, I'm like, there's Uncle Dad and his nephew children. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't uh, know the uncle dad story i don't have it perfectly but he married his brother's ex-wife or something i think that's what it was
0: i think it's something to that effect or like I, he,
2: his ex-sister-in-law or some there's some kind of weird it was his ex-sister-in-law i think that's pretty much what it boils down to yeah we're so like his kids are his yeah it's weird. yeah just call him uncle dad he'll know what you mean I'm sure they'll yeah.
0: appreciate it, too. <laughs> and it's not the worst of <laughs> nicknames that you can get when you uh, when you do
2: something like that. That's true. What do you want to add? You want anything about last night's game? I think just kind of. Yes, I do. Actually, yeah, do it. Let's do it. Cause... I want
0: to. I want to. You know what? It's time for confessions Uh-oh. with James Navo. in my role as an NBC five uh, hockey expert, so to speak, quote unquote, whatever. I, I pride myself on knowing at least a little bit about the NHL in general and about what's going on in the league. There are – I'm not kidding you, Jay. There were probably seven Blue Jackets last night that I just was like, you're a made-up NHL 20 character that you <laughs> auto-generated a name. Was the goalie one of them? no way that you're a real hockey player. Like, I, I cannot take this seriously. Like – uh vladislav gavrikov Yep. i nope not a clue in the world F- who that guy Pat Foley
2: kept calling him Gabrik.
0: yeah just no alexander Texier? tessier tessier yep tessier nope no clue did not ex- i did not know he existed are you a big fan night? of uh, goaltender elvis and bruce lincoln's Nope. I had no clue he was in existence. Marcus Nutivara. Nope. Has two goals this season. Could have uh, walked into a room and punched me in the face, and I would have had no idea who he was, even if he had introduced himself. I actually
2: kind of liked him. He had a good game. I like
0: that guy. Yeah, I will concede I will know him now. He did have a good game last night. (laughs) And then... And then looking at the box score, just in kind of the ultimate, like, who the hell are these Blue Jackets? I I know Riley Nash is on the Blue Jackets, but I had a slight moment of panic about the joke I made the other day about whether or not Rick Nash was still on the roster. When I saw that R-Nash, I was like, wait, what? And it just is like, oh, yeah, duh, Riley. eh." So that's my confession is that I know the NHL relatively well, but good lord, there are a lot of Blue Jackets that I just feel like are made-up guys and who may have been three children standing on top of
2: each other's shoulders. They should put uh, number sixty-one on Riley Nash. Like, who would know? And then really
0: screw (laughs) with people. I think that'd be great.
2: (laughs) And then all the Blue Jackets fans like have a current jersey to wear. At least, yeah. See,
0: Riley, why aren't you fan friendly, man? Yeah. Let's call him out. Like he's he's not fan friendly. Clearly. It's like Mike Commodore. There was only one number he should have ever worn in his NHL life, and he never did. Correct. Number 64.
2: Yep. Pudwack. A, he's the worst. All right. Let's take a quick time out. When we come back, we will uh, replay our interview with Blackhawks. I'm going to say legend. Legend? Dave Boland? You're going you are going a little bit liberal with the use of legend. I'm not. His last... I,
0: I, you know what I've been saying? Fan favorite.
2: No. His second to last shift was a Stanley Cup clinching goal. That makes you a legend in my mind. His last shift was last night.
0: I go. I I I see. Did he actually uh, suit up for a penalty kill? Then I missed it. Yes, and he punched a Sadine. Well, you know what? They That's f- just the way to
2: go out. Then isn't it? They flew in a Sadine. Just it doesn't matter who. It was like a. It wasn't <laughs> Henrik or Daniel. It was just a, a random. You know, like the Peyton Manning's brother who we can't think of. Yeah, Parker or Carter, or whatever his name of. is. It's like Tony Sadine, and they flew him in. And Dave Boland punched him at center ice just for old time's sake. Aw. Did, did Duncan Keith try to elbow him in the head, too? Well, yeah, it was the follow-up.
0: You know, ah, I see. Yeah. So before he hit <laughs> the ice, he hit Duncan Keith's elbow. It was a great bit of uh, symmetry. That's right. By the uh, way, you're writing a Blackhawks book, and you're writing about
2: the Blackhawks-Canucks rivalry. So
0: yes. this is all very timely for you. Actually,
2: I mentioned that to Dave Boland in the interview um, where I say I am writing this chapter, and I think I've written Boland more than any word in the chapter so far and you got to chuck a lot of that so stick around when we come back we will play that interview with uh blackhawks legend there i said it dave bowen and if you want to try some legendary ales oh head to Rabbit brewing yes. in homewood illinois they're right there on brett's drive behind the home depot on halstead amazing Rabbitbrewing.com. check out their facebook page Rabbit brewing so many great brews so many great concoctions they just got back from colorado it's at the great american beer fest where they competed for the first time and got tons of positive feedback, great reviews, they did a great job and represented really well. So big things on deck for our friends at Rabbit Brewing. So check them out, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. The time has come for you to drink mythological and legendary craft ales. Visit the Southland Legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. When we come back, we will talk to you, David Boland, two-time Stanley Cup champion on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
1: The great thing about facts, they're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities, or that base oil made from natural gas is ninety nine point five percent free of impurities, and the fact that Pennzoil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil, it gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil, based on sequence four A wear test using SAE five W thirty. Get a twenty two dollar Shell gift card with a Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic purchase in three fourteen twenty one. Terms apply. Details at Pennzoil.com slash oil change offer.
2: Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. David Boland is next, but first I want to tell you about our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe located in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Check out their daily specials. If you're listening to this on Saturday, the special is Coach Anita Pavil. You should do everything you can to get the Chucks and go have it. It is one of my favorite meals on the planet, but the Cajun food, the Mexican, even like the burgers and the wings, everything at Chuck's is amazing homegrown in their own garden there and dairy and they've got a, an, a probably about an acre of a garden behind the restaurant where they grow and harvest their own vegetables their own uh fruit lettuce everything right there chucks is amazing go check them out and i've not mentioned the cobblers lately save room for the cobblers at the end of the meal you'll love them dot
0: yeah man Oh, chucks what a delicious and wonderful place that is i have not been there in far too long my friend I, we need to change that. We can change that. We can change a lot of things. We just we, do
2: like a tour We should just do a road trip one day, and visit all of our sponsors. And that's then...
0: a great idea. I'll call off of work. You you can uh, you know we can do it after you're done with your show, so that you can actually be the adult in the room. It'll be perfect. <laughs> that, that, there's a first. Ah, zing! All right, you know what? It's time for Dave Boland. I it, think like it's time for Dave Boland. You know. We, we talked about this a little bit in our last ed- edition of the show when they had announced that he was going to do the one more shift. And we had kind of shared some of those uh, memories of Dave Bolin and just, you called him a legend earlier. And I just, I think there, there were a lot of guys you can say kind of defined the era of Blackhawks hockey in which they won the three Stanley cups. And especially in the earlier stages of that run, I think that, Dave and kind of embodied the swagger that that team seemed to have. And he played with a lot of panache. He was always a pest. It was always really fun to watch him play. And then that indelible memory of him scoring that 17 seconds goal, I don't think is going to leave the memories of any Blackhawks fan, but the way Jay ended up framing it earlier. And I think it's appropriate for Dave based on the way that he played was just his willingness and his eagerness to just tweak the Vancouver Canucks and to Really drive them nuts, and so when Jay sat down with uh Dave Boland, uh, metaphorically, of course, because they spoke, you know, via phone or whatever wonderful technology Jay used, he asked him about having one last shift with the Blackhawks and maybe the little bit of disappointment that it wasn't against that rival team of his.
1: Yeah, that would have been fun. I, <laughs> I think that, that would have been a good. That would have been a good timing. Uh... But uh it's gonna be against Columbus, so uh it'll be fun. I'm I'm excited for it and honored that uh, to do it.
2: Tell me about that phone call. who who is the person from the Blackhawks that called you? How long have you had to get this all together? Uh and what was it like? What was going through your head when you got this invite?
1: Yeah, it was John, Pete Hassen, uh they're just great people and uh they came forward and said they wanted to do the uh do the skate, do the one last shift, do the last shift. So I was, uh, when I heard that, I was ecstatic and excited about it. I know my career's done and everything, but my uh, my whole career all began in Chicago. Um, my best years were in Chicago, and all the great things I did were in Chicago. So uh, just to come back and see the fans and see everybody, it'll be uh, it'll be great.
2: Well, this is obviously the 10-year anniversary of the 2010 Stanley Cup and they're honoring players all year and they're going to have different special events. There's a Marion host, of bobblehead that's going to be given out tonight when you, uh, take the ice. Um, did you expect, even knowing that they were going to celebrate this all year, did you expect anything like this? Was it ever on your radar to get a call for one more shift?
1: Uh, no, not really. It wasn't, uh, I think the last few years I've been, uh, I've been on long term IR and just, uh, taking care of myself, my back, my ankle and that. And, um, I think, uh, that wasn't around. I wasn't really thinking about that, uh, the one last shift. And once they came forward to me uh, with it, I was ecstatic and excited because uh, you see all the other guys that have done it, Savvy, Roenick, um, all the greats uh, and to do it uh, for the 2010, uh, the 10-year anniversary, starting for the Cup too. Um, it's it's going to be great.
2: Well, since this was announced, I think it was announced uh, on Wednesday morning, uh a lot of the people I interact with are Blackhawks fans on social media and stuff. And everybody was excited. You'll always find somebody who's negative about every cool thing, but everyone was thrilled to see you be invited back, uh, especially after all the great moments you delivered. Um, So people are really thrilled. What are you looking forward to most about Friday night?
1: Uh, I think just getting, I think I'm a little nervous getting back on the ice and uh, it's been a while since coming out to a big crowd and uh, seeing everybody. So I think just, hearing that crowd go crazy and and yelling and screaming like like they did when when I was there um it'll be it'll bring back some really great memories uh from from my first years there to the last years there um it'll be uh, it'll be pretty ecstatic
2: well we're gonna get to your last years and your last moment actually as a blackhawk later on in the interview but I want to ask you uh the 2010 team what made that team so special why were you guys <coughs> aside from Having more talent than most of your opponents, which is a huge part of things, what made this the 2010 team so special?
1: Um, I think I, I, everybody asked for this, and I think that always comes down to how tight we were. Uh, we were a tight group um, like everything like we did everything together. Uh, there was no clicks, we didn't have a click that would stay here and a click. you know you get some clicks on teams that where guys hang out. Some guys, or come out few guys. I know every time we go on the road and we have dinner, uh, it would be the whole group having dinner, um, and it was just a great team to be around. Like everybody got along, we were all great, and even till today, you see a guy and you pop in, and it's it's an easy conversation, and you can talk. To it. It's 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 like you you never left, and it's like you never seen each other since that years. So um, it's. That, I think just that group and how tight we were, and how great of a group we were. I um, think, like you said, the skill. We had a lot of skill. You look at all those guys; they're all top players on teams now. Uh, so uh, we had a we had a special group that year.
2: Was there a moment in the 2010 season? Maybe it was regular season. Maybe it was a moment in the playoffs where you kind of said, "We're the team to beat. We're great. This is a great team, and we can definitely win the Stanley Cup." Was there ever? Was there a a specific moment where you sort of had that realization?
1: Uh, I don't think there was a specific moment uh, during that season that uh, that that I thought we were going to win the cup or knew we were going to win the cup. I think coming into it, it's 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 always uh, it's always pretty tough. I know you, you kind of towards the last twenty games you kind of see what kind of team you are. Um, but I think into the playoffs after the first round, uh, we I forget who I think it was Nashville. We were still we still weren't sure. Um, like, so like once we got past Nashville and then we were rolling, that's when I kind of got the thought, Hey, like we've got a great team here. Like we're going to, we're going to win a cup.
2: Well, that was, I mean, special for all Blackhawks fans It had been since 1961, since that cup was won. Uh, but I want to talk to you about 2013 too. And, and we mentioned your last shift as a Blackhawk until Friday night, obviously, uh, (laughs) was, The goal, the the Stanley Cup clinching goal. You know, I I, I have to imagine you've seen that highlight a million times. Everywhere you go, someone asks you about it. Do you have, like, a vivid memory of the moment when it happened and and what was going through your head?
1: Yeah, it was. uh, Like, uh, something always pops up either on the Internet or at the bar. There's always something on, you know, here in Canada, there's always hockey always playing, right? So there's always Stanley Cup moments, uh, Different segments they have uh, for TSN Sportsnet, but um, yeah, it does pop up, and uh, yeah, it was you always remember it. I'll always remember that goal, and uh, I'll always remember 2010 uh, winning that first Stanley Cup. But scoring that game-winning goal against Boston was uh, up there too.
2: Well, you and I before uh, you left Chicago, we did a lot of bar events together for 670 The Score, and I've, this is a question I've always wanted to ask you. But after you scored that goal, you left. Brian Bickle ties the game and your line takes the next shift as you're stepping over the boards to take that shift. What was the mindset? Was it get the game to overtime? Were you thinking let's build on this momentum and score a goal? What were you thinking as you took the ice to take that next shift before you scored that iconic goal?
1: Well, after that, two, two, after it was two, two, I was like, well, we still have time left here. We could, we could make this happen. But I think for myself and we were, I think it was Krug's and, uh, and throw that we went on the ice there. So we, uh, we were, uh, I think we were kind of keeping the lead, keep keep the tie. Hey, we'll go into, uh, we'll go into overtime and we'll hopefully win this. I know when it was two, one, we were like, ah, we'll just go back to Chicago and, uh, and we'll win it back home. And uh, it would have been nice to win it back home. But, um, but, uh, we got the tie and then courage and throw, And we all went out there and, uh, we, uh, as a, as a line there, we, we, we helped their win the games. So it was uh, – I don't think we were thinking we were going to score, but I think we wanted – we knew we wanted to score.
2: Right now I'm actually working on a book about the Blackhawks, and uh, I'm working on the chapter against – about the Canucks rivalry. And I feel like I've hey, typed yeah. the word Boland more than, yeah. <laughs> more than anything else. <laughs> uh, what was yeah. it about that rivalry that made you shine, that made you – uh, you know, you, you are the guy people think of when they think of the Canucks rivalry. What was it about them, and what was it about you that was just that just made it so such a toxic mix? I guess you'd say.
1: I think it was just the hatred between both teams. Like you gotta go against other teams. We played Minnesota, we didn't like them. St. Louis, we were up there, we didn't like them either. But whenever we came against Vancouver, we hated each other. Like like I was every game we had was a game seven game, and um, and. I know we'd get. I know the nights before games, I'd be getting ready for that game, just knowing that hey, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a bloodbath. There's going to be there's going to be a few fights. There's going to be a few sticks flown or a few fists. So uh, it it was always it was always one of those things that I got up for. But I think I always had to get up for it. I knew I had to be ready. Was for the Sneed twins. Um, They were great players. So like if they go on a tear and that's my fault. That was that's something that I, I got to be ready for and going against those top lines. And I had to, uh, I was to be ready. So I think that was one thing as well for me as well, that I, I knew I was going to be playing against the Shadim twins. And if I didn't come out ready, um, that, that they could, they could do some damage and they were great players. You have to, you get to know that, that they, they were great.
2: Well, I know you've got to be diplomatic, and I don't know if there's a media career in your future, so you got, maybe you maybe got to be careful, but <laughs> the uh, the reputation that arose out of those series against the Canucks was that they were mentally weak, and you guys were mentally strong. Years later, Bruce Pedro would talk about the Blackhawks' resolve, and that's what made them so hard to beat. Do you think that, that Vancouver was sort of mentally fragile, or was it you just, for whatever reason, ended up getting the better of them every series? It, it, that That's sort of the reputation they earned from all those series against you guys was they couldn't do it. They would crumble under the pressure while you guys would thrive. Is there any truth to that?
1: Uh, I think there's a little bit of truth to that, but I also think that like we would, like I know I would go on the ice and Burr and Leagues and just, we'd cause some havoc and I know they would just want to kill us. I know they would take, <laughs> they would take dumb penalties and we had Kane here, we had Taser, we had Sharpie, we had so much power on the, on the PP that once we were on the PP, like it was, it's a no-brainer that we would score. Um, and I just think that that we capitalize on most of their mistakes of taking dumb penalties, and, and we were just being smarter.
2: I want to ask you about your early career because it ties in to a Blackhawks prospect. You spent your years in junior with the London Knights. Patrick Kane did as well. The Blackhawks' uh, top prospect, Adam Boquist, at least defensively, Adam Boquist, spent some time there last year. What is it about the London Knights organization specifically that allows them to thrive at developing prospects so well? Is there something they do better or differently, or do they have resources that other teams don't have?
1: Uh, well, you got Dale, Mark, and now you have Dylan Hunter that, that's running and taking taking over and, and, and helping out. Um, they come from an NHL hardworking family. Um, they're farmers, and they, they know what it is to work. And I just felt when I was there, uh, they prepared me for the NHL. Uh, they – I remember when I got to London, um, I was a one dimensional player. I didn't know what my defensive zone looked like. All I knew was about scoring goals and putting the puck in the back of the net. And I tried to do that in London. And, uh, the first year I didn't get it. And, uh, Dale humped on that and sort of gave me the, Hey, if you don't play defense, you're not going to play in the NHL. So I kind of bunkered down and, and he taught me a lot of this, but, uh, you, you you look at all the guys that have come from the London Knights, Rick Nash. Uh, there's tons of guys, lots of guys, and you look at Kaner, uh, and Kaner can tell you that that they treat their players here like pro players. Uh, they don't get treated like junior players. Uh, they help them any way they can to to succeed and 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 to be ready to play. Um, they got they just Dylan Hunter just joined the. Uh, just joined well he didn't just join he's a little bit older than me but he joined a few years ago and he's kind of taken in his old man's footsteps and he's done a great job with some of these young guys and he was one of the guys that was probably uh that helped boker uh i was there last year and saw saw what they do and they concentrated they help these guys every day they show them video and uh the amount of time that they put into to uh to these players is is crazy. Um, they're with them
2: 24-7. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about your career and how you couldn't find the defensive zone. By the way, that fits the criticism of Adam Boquist very well, despite him being a defenseman. But yeah. well, I did a couple of those events that we did together with John Scott as well, and, and he sort of talked about, look, all of us at some point in our career were the best players on our team. It's those of us that could figure out, if I'm going to play in the NHL, I have to adapt my game. He need he found out he needed to be an enforcer. Sure. You adapted your game and became one of the best defensive <clears throat> forwards the Hawks have ever had, and you had that offensive ability as well. I, I would imagine it's quite a challenge for young players and junior to go from being a guy who has 130 points like you did to, okay, yeah. guess what? You're here now. You're among the best. You're not a scorer anymore. That's got to be a difficult adjustment for a lot of guys to make.
1: Yeah, it was. I, and I, that, that was the one big adjustment for me. I know I had, I had 130 points in the NHL and I kind of thought I was just going to bring that over to the NHL and it was going to be a easy, easy transition, but it wasn't, um, excuse me. I just, uh, I basically went down to the minors and I had Al McIsaac there. That was great. Uh, as a GM and helped help me with little things and, and taught me a lot. And then, uh, I had Mike Havlin as my coach and going down to the minors isn't a bad thing. It's a, uh, I think it's a great thing. It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about hockey and even growing up and everything. It's, it's it kind of gets you ready for the NHL. Um, so, but I think Boker's is going to be a, a great fit for, for, for the, Blackhawks. I know when he was here, he's, he's an offensive, he's, he's an offensive uh, defenseman, uh, but he's got a great shot. He's got great vision. He knows where Everybody's on the ice. He's got a great first pass. Uh, I think he, he's going to be great for uh, the Blackhawks here soon. All
2: right, Dave Bowen, I have one last question for you. A seven-game yeah. series, the 2010 Blackhawks versus the 2013 Blackhawks, which team wins and why?
1: Oh, geez. I'd have to go. So, probably the 2010. I don't know. <laughs> 2010, we had, a, we had a great team in 2010. We, uh, we, had a, we had a lot of firepower. I think both teams would. I
2: think it would be a tie. just endless overtime (laughs) until the world ended yeah (laughs) there you go thanks to David Bowen for joining us Uh, that was originally aired on the Locked On Blackhawks podcast if you want to check that out follow this account at LO underscore Blackhawks on Twitter or just subscribe wherever you find your podcasts it's on Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play everywhere find Locked On Blackhawks I do it Monday through Friday by myself half hour show very different from Madhouse but I think you'll enjoy it if you love hockey, Think of, speaking of things you'll enjoy, got to tell you about our friends at Marishka, 604 Theater Street in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. Go there, try the Poor Boys, try the steaks, try the chops, try the seafood. Everything there is outstanding. You'll enjoy it. Your family will enjoy it. You'll go back again and again. It's marishkas.com or slash marishkas. That's M E R I C H K A S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July and Thanksgiving, so go visit them out there in Crest Hill and uh, tell them we sent you when you did. So, thanks to Mariscas, thanks to Triple Threat Sports for all your team outfitting needs. Call Chris at 708 478 6090. Of course, our friends at Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, the Barrel Club in Oak Lawn, barrelclubillinois.com to join their Spirit of the Month club, and of course, Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe burbank darian go to chuckscafe.com thanks for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we will talk to you next time very very soon early next week james and i will be back with reaction to this long stretch of blackhawks games and kirby doc's first few games hopefully thanks for listening When the big wireless carriers start trying to get you to splurge your tax return on the latest nonsense this year, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199 on America's best networks. Straight
0: Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com.
2: Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru, and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. <laughs> Aw,
0: babe just a few
2: (laughs) all right i guess i can't blame you pass me some too
1: (laughs) Uh, smells too good to get it all the way home meal there's a meal for every moment at mcdonald's
2: and now your favorite spicy chicken mcnuggets are back get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks only at mcdonald's price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal